If you've ever traveled internationally, you know that one of the challenges can be the language barrier. Uh, I remember in high school being in Germany, uh, standing before the Heidelberg uh, Castle in the beautiful city of Heidelberg, Germany, and this elderly gentleman came up to me with obvious concern in his eyes and on his face and began to ask me what I believe was a question in German. And so don't let my German last name fool you. My German vocabulary doesn't go past Bratwurst and Volkswagen. So I had no idea what he was saying. And so I just sort of stared at him awkwardly for like five seconds. And then finally said, I'm sorry, I don't speak German in English, as if that was going to help our situation. So one of the ways that I could have remedied that situation or avoided that situation is I could have spent some time before going to Germany studying the language. I could have taken some classes or got the Rosetta Stone or spent some time with German-speaking individuals and just taught myself German, learned German, studied German, and so I, I sort of gained this initiation into the German language through my own effort. Or I could have hired a translator. I could have had the German language revealed to me. Instead of working to learn it myself, I could have had it revealed to me. And when it comes to wisdom... I think most of us are prone to take the first approach or think of that the way that we gain mature, true spiritual wisdom is primarily through the first approach. Like, if I study enough, if I gain enough knowledge, if I gain enough experience, if I develop enough skill, then I am going to be able to uncover and learn mature spiritual wisdom. And isn't that how we often see mature people? It's like, hey, this person has a lot of knowledge they have a lot of experience, they have a lot of skill, they're wise and they're mature. While that's not entirely wrong, what if, what if true, mature, spiritual wisdom, the wisdom that you and I need, the wisdom that brings life, is not something we can discover on our own and gain on our own, but has to be something that is revealed to us? What if it is something that we are powerless to know in, our, in ourselves and we need somebody else to reveal it to us, how would that change the way you think about wisdom and pursue wisdom? Well, as we've seen in this first section in his letter to the Corinthian church, the Apostle Paul has been hammering away at their love affair with worldly wisdom and their love affair with the style and the manner of worldly wisdom. You see, even though they had heard the gospel and believed the gospel, they were still allowing the Roman and the Greek culture of their day to influence how they viewed wisdom. They were still stuck in a mindset that wisdom was self-gained, that, that through study and through a pursuit of knowledge and through gaining skill and experience and that getting status, that that made you a mature and wise person. And the Apostle Paul is going to flip this on its head a bit. And he's going to challenge their definition of wisdom and point them to this truth that mature wisdom that wisdom of the mature is actually something that they have to receive. It's actually something that has to be revealed to them. It isn't something that they can earn themselves, that they can gain themselves. Rather, it is something that they have to receive and submit their lives to. And for us, First City Church, we're prone, just like the Corinthians, to be shaped by our world, shaped by our culture, to think of wisdom in terms of our world. And so the same challenge, the same reminder the Apostle Paul gave to the Corinthians is the same reminder God's word gives us this morning. And here's the main point for us. Mature wisdom comes from God. Therefore, 
We need the Spirit of God to understand the wisdom of God. Say it again. Mature wisdom comes from God, therefore, we need the Spirit of God to understand the wisdom of God. And so what I want to do is I just want to unpack the two parts of this big statement. So first, mature wisdom comes from God. This is what Paul writes in verse 6. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. So while Paul has been hammering away at this this idea of wisdom, what he's making clear is, hey, I'm not anti-wisdom, but what I'm after here is a different kind of wisdom, a better wisdom. As John Piper points out, the Bible may condemn the wisdom of men, but it will not surrender wisdom to the enemy. The Bible may claim that man's mind is darkened, but its remedy is not mindlessness. It is light. So as Paul goes on to say, this wisdom for the mature or mature wisdom is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. And so here's what Paul's saying. Let me make very clear to you, Corinthian church, and let me make very clear to you, First City Church, that the wisdom we impart... Mature wisdom from God is not of this age, meaning it is not of this world and its values and its mindset and its system. Mature wisdom doesn't come from mining the wisdom of this world. Mature wisdom doesn't come as we study philosophy and psychology and sociology and politics and ethics. Mature wisdom isn't something that we get by listening to all the podcasts we can or following all the social media accounts and reading all the articles on social media that we can. It's not by getting all the data and all the information that we possibly can. You see, for whatever elements of truth that are there, mature godly wisdom is not of this world. It's not like a precious metal that you dig into the ground, dig into the earth and try to bring it out of the earth. Mature wisdom is not of this age. Mature wisdom also doesn't come from the rulers of this age. So why does Paul highlight the rulers? Well, think about this. Who do we sort of tap as the wisest among us? Is it not our leaders? I mean, even for us as Americans, we can be very cynical about our leaders. Is there not this sense of expectation we have that, hey, you're in this position of power, you're my political leader, and so you're wise, At least you're wiser than the other guy. We have this expectation that leaders have access to the best knowledge and the best information and the best education. They have the best counselors. They're the ones that we expect can best live wisely and exercise wisdom for the good of themselves and for for the good of everyone. We have this expectation that our leaders are going to be the wisest among us. And this is why we get so frustrated when they're not. So Paul is pointing out this. Hey, the wisest among this culture, that's not where mature wisdom comes from. Don't look to those that the world has sort of said, hey, by their status, by their skill, by their their knowledge, they're the wisest. That's not where you look for mature wisdom. Mature spiritual wisdom doesn't come from this world, nor its best representatives of wisdom. Why? Well, first... For whatever aspects of common grace, truth, and insight may be found in things like philosophy and psychology and sociology and politics and ethics. And look, because God made this world and all truth is God's truth, there is truth in those things. But for whatever degree there is truth in those things, they are of this world and so they are limited in scope, meaning they cannot penetrate past this world. At best, they can hint at, point at, 
echo the deeper, mature, spiritual truths that you and I need. But even deeper than that, for all the common grace, insight, and wisdom that they may contain, because our world is corrupted by sin, the wisdom of this world will always be corrupted by sin. Because in and of ourselves, our hearts are corrupted by sin. In and of ourselves, we have been tainted by sin. Our wisdom is always going to lead us away from God. Our wisdom is going to lead us into pride and selfishness and sinful self-reliance. And look, if you think about the example of our leaders, are they not, (laughs) despite all their wisdom, all their education, all their learning, all their status, are they not in some ways the, the worst culprits of this? Are not our leaders some of the most prideful and selfish and corrupt? But for all their supposed skill and wisdom, do they not compound the problem of evil in our world rather than solving it? How often have our leaders pointed us away from Christ rather than to Christ? You see, the problem of sin in our hearts means that the wisdom of this world will never be mature It will never lead us to God. Wisdom, mature wisdom, is not of this age or of the rulers of this age, but in contrast to the wisdom of the world. Paul says in verse 7, the mature wisdom we impart is the wisdom of God. It comes from God. And this wisdom is characterized in verse 7 by three things. It is a secret and hidden wisdom. It was decreed before the ages and it is for our glory. So the wisdom of God is a secret and hidden wisdom, literally a mysterious wisdom. Now, we need to be clear about the word mystery here because how you and I think about mystery is not exactly what the Bible means by mystery. Here's how you and I typically think of mystery. Look, one of my favorite shows on TV is Sherlock, the BBC version, modern version of Sherlock Holmes. Anybody seen it? Brilliant show, a little bit trippy at times, but a brilliant show. And what is Sherlock Holmes known for? He's known for solving these crazy mysteries just by observing. So one of my favorite scenes is actually the first episode when he first meets his partner, John Watson. Watson walks into this lab where Sherlock's kind of doing some stuff, and he looks at Watson. Watson lets him borrow his phone, and within seconds, he lists out all the stuff about his life. Like, he knows that he's a military doctor. He knows that his limp is actually psychosomatic. He knows that he isn't getting along with his counselor. He knows that he isn't getting along with a sibling, and the sibling is an alcoholic and probably isn't getting along with his spouse. And Watson's like, how could you possibly know that about me? And so he just starts listing all the observations he made to arrive at this truth. This is how we think of mystery, that there's some truth there that's veiled And if we just pay attention to the clues, we'll be able to recognize it. We'll be able to unveil the mystery. But when the Bible talks about mystery, this is what it means. It means that there was a truth once hidden in God that God has now revealed. So the mystery that Paul is talking about, the the, the, the hidden and mysterious wisdom that Paul is talking about, is something that we can't discover by looking all the clues. It's something that has to be revealed. It has to be given to us by revelation. And so this is the, po- the point Paul is making, that the wisdom of God, the message of the gospel, the life, death, resurrection, and lordship of Christ was once a truth hidden in God. At one point, it wasn't revealed, but now it has been revealed. 
Look, it isn't something we stumbled upon. It isn't something that we put the pieces together and go, oh, here's the gospel, here's the wisdom. It isn't something we invented. No, God revealed it. God acted, God spoke, God revealed, he showed us. Wisdom, mature wisdom comes from God. Think of it this way. The mature wisdom, spiritual wisdom, isn't like gold in the ground that we go and we dig out. It isn't something that's among this earth that we go and we pull out. Rather, it's like a meteor. It's like something outside of us and outside of our world that comes to us and completely transforms and changes reality. The mature wisdom comes from God. It's also, it's a secret and hidden wisdom, but it was also decreed before the ages, meaning before God ever spoke the world into existence, he decreed and he planned, my wisdom would be revealed through my son. But before God spoke anything into existence, he decreed, he set in stone, he determined, he planned, he purposed, my wisdom would be displayed through the life, death, and resurrection of my son. Look, the cross is not an accident of history. The cross isn't just something that just happened within a particular political context and it could have gone a different way. No, the cross has been decreed and determined before creation. This is God's set, determined plan. Look, this gospel that you and I believe, this incredible message of the life, death, resurrection, and worship of Christ, this isn't something we invented This plan, this wisdom, this originated in the mind of God, and he is the one who accomplished it through his son. Mature wisdom comes from God. Finally, it says, and don't miss this, God decreed this wisdom in the cross of Christ before the ages. Why? Well, for whatever other reason scripture may say, here the apostle Paul is highlighting something very specific. For our glory. Look, in the wisdom of God, he decreed and he revealed the perfect righteousness of Jesus as he walked this earth. That Christ was crucified for sinners like you and me. That Jesus was resurrected in victory and new life. That Jesus has ascended to the right hand of God as the king. But here is what he's also revealed. He has revealed that for those of us who put our faith in Christ and put our hope in Christ and turn from our sin and believe in Jesus, we're united to him. And God lavishes his blessing upon us, as Ephesians says. Forgiveness of every sin, full and complete, all of our guilt washed away. We are accepted, we are blameless. The Spirit of God in us, renewing us. The Spirit of God breaking the power of sin. The life of Christ in us. The truth that we are adopted into the family. We're beloved sons and daughters of God. Oh, friends, the resurrection life that raised Jesus from the dead is one day going to raise your body in incorruptible glory. This is the wisdom of God revealed for our glory. God revealed his wisdom through his son, for your good. So it was a hidden, mysterious wisdom. It was a wisdom decreed before the ages, and it was a wisdom for our glory. And look, in all of this, don't miss, revealed in this mature wisdom is the self-giving nature of God. How very different than the wisdom of God than the wisdom of this world. Wisdom of this world leads to pride. 
and selfishness and us comparing ourselves, self-reliance. It turns us inward. The wisdom of God is loving, sacrificial, self-giving, just like our God. The wisdom of God led him to give his son for you and I. How vastly different the wisdom of God than the wisdom of this world. And so the mature wisdom comes from God, but we also need the Spirit of God. Mature wisdom comes from God, but we also need the Spirit of God to know and understand the wisdom of God. Left to ourselves, the wisdom of God in Jesus Christ can be staring us in the face and we'll miss it. This is Paul's point in verse 8. None of the rulers of this age understood this, this, which is the wisdom of God. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. For all their supposed wisdom, when the Lord of glory was right in front of them, they missed it. They they, they didn't see it. Talk about missing missing something big. Talk about not being, um, being able to understand something profound. As my wife will tell you, when I go looking for something, like in the pantry or in a closet or in a cupboard, I'm blind. Like, I, I could be like, hey, hey, babe, hey, where's the bread? I, I, don't, I don't see the bread. Where's the bread? Just completely blind. And, and in my defense, here's why. Because if something isn't where I expect it to be, then for some reason, I just can't see it. Like, like if it's not where my expectation is placed, then it's like, well, I just, I just can't see it. And in some ways, this is exactly what Paul is describing. Look, the, the rulers of this age, they expected to see the wisdom of God displayed in a powerful, majestic, exalted king. They, they were expecting somebody to be impressive, somebody coming in and blowing everybody away. They weren't expecting a humble, lowly man from Galilee giving his life on a cross. Like, if that's what their expectation was, they wouldn't have crucified him. But their expectation was for something different, and so they were blind. But deeper, their expectation was off because of sin. Sin had tainted their expectations. Sin had corrupted their expectations. Sin had caused them to think wisdom comes in flash, in power, and status. Comes, it, it comes in the person who is the smartest in the room, the most powerful in the room, the person with the most status. That, that's what our sin does. It corrupts us, and so we can't see the wisdom of God in and of ourselves. No matter how intelligent we are, no matter experienced we are, no matter skillful we are, without the wisdom of God, because of our sin, we're blind. Sin blinds us as well. Look, in and of yourselves, you will never see the glory of Christ and the wisdom of God. In and of yourself, you will never be able to know and understand the gospel. And this is what Paul is getting at in verse 9. That our own, on our own, we will chase prideful and selfish and self-reliant, self-glorifying wisdom of this world and will miss the wisdom of God. As he writes in verse 9, but as it is written, what no eye has seen nor ear heard nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Now, this verse, I, I, I want to I clarify something. I think this verse often gets used, whether it's on a card or on other things, this way. 
man, heaven is going to be so great because it's beyond my ability to imagine. It, it, I, no, no eye has seen, no ear has heard. It hasn't entered into my imagination how great heaven is. But if we look at this in context, that's not what this verse is saying. As true as that sentiment is, what is causing the blindness in verse 9? Why can't we see? It's not because things are too great for our comprehension. We're blinded by our sin. The reason our eyes don't see and the reason our ears don't hear, the reason our hearts can't imagine the things that God has prepared for those who love him is because in our sin, we're blind. And in our sin, we'll never comprehend God's plan. But, but, in the beginning of verse 9, that but is so important. What our eyes can't see on their own, what our ears can't hear on their own, what our hearts can't imagine on our own, verse 10 says this, these things, these amazing, wonderful things that God has planned for those who love him, he's revealed to us through the Spirit. Like the things that we can never understand by our own reasoning, by searching philosophy and psychology and sociology and ethics and politics, the things we could never understand on our own, God has revealed them to us through the Spirit, meaning this, the Spirit has made our dead hearts alive. The Spirit has brought resurrection to our dead souls. He has renewed and regenerated our hearts so now we can see the glory of Christ. We can hear his voice and our hearts now desire his glory. The Spirit has done what you and I are incapable of doing. That's the grace of God in your life. The Spirit is working for your good to reveal the wonderful things God has for those who love him. Look, we need the Spirit of God to understand the wisdom of God. And guess what? The Spirit has acted. The Spirit has acted on our behalf. The reason you're in Christ, you think that's because you're so wise. It's because you figured everything out. Do you think that the reason you're in Christ and somebody else isn't is because you are more humble? You are more intelligent? No, it's the grace of God to you. The Spirit of God has enlightened your heart given you eyes to see and ears to hear. This is entirely of grace. The wisdom of God, the mature wisdom of God is a grace to us that the Spirit gives us. And we have confidence in this revelation from the Spirit because the Spirit knows the mind of God, knows the mind of God the Father. Verses 10 and 11. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought except the Spirit of that person? which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Look, we need the Spirit to help us understand the things of God. And who better than the third person of the Trinity, the one who is in one mind and will with God the Father, the one who knows perfectly the mind of God and his thoughts and his plans, the one who perfectly knows the wisdom of God in Jesus Christ, the one who resurrects our dead souls, the one who's been sent forth to reveal Christ. No one less than the third person of the Trinity is the one revealing to us the wisdom of God. God has spared no expense. God has not short-shifted us. He, he's, not, he's not held back. No, through the Spirit of God, we can know the wisdom of God. We need the Spirit of God to know and understand 
And the good news in verse 12 says, for those who in Christ, we've received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given. It is not a spirit of the world that shapes us and leads us and reveals things to us. No, it is the spirit of God revealing the things that God has freely given. Do you know how generous God is? How gracious and how merciful how much he has lavished on us in Christ. This being true, let me draw some application points here as we head to the conclusion. First, we like the Corinthians need to move away from our love affair of the wisdom of this world. Friends, too often we let the wisdom of this world shape us, shape our minds, shape our hearts. And look, in our culture, here's how this plays out. Our culture is addicted to data. We're addicted to information. We have more information than we've ever had, and it is just compounding and accelerating. We have more information than we could ever process and ever know what to do with, and we think that the solution to all our problems is more data, more information. So the solution to my job, the solution to my marriage and my parenting and my money, whatever the problem is, more information If I can get more information, then I can be wise and then I can be successful. And if I fail, what's the solution? More information. But what does that do? Leads us into pride, selfishness, self-centeredness, self-concern, self-reliance. We begin to compare ourselves. Well, I'm wiser than this person. I have more experience than this person. Or how about this? As Edwin Friedman has pointed out in his book, The Failure of Nerve, this overwhelming amount of information has actually caused us to become anxious. Meaning there's more information than you and I could ever know what to do with. And so we're trying to sort what is the best information. What what should I be listening to? What should I not be listening to? And we put so much hope in our ability to do that that it overwhelms us. It causes us to be tired and exhausted. And I wonder how many of you are exhausted thinking, I've got to chase more and more information and more and more data You believe that you're lacking knowledge and you think that's the solution and I got to keep chasing it and it's tiring me out. Look, friends, the fruits of worldly wisdom is pride and exhaustion. What I'm afraid of is that too many of us, too often, we're chasing the wisdom of this world because we're disconnected from the source of true mature wisdom. We're disconnected from Christ because we're not in his word. We're not abiding. We're not praying. We're not depending upon the spirit. We're not, we're not going to Christ for our wisdom. We're disconnected from gospel-centered, gospel-formed community. Some people that are helping us grow in wisdom in Christ. We're, we're, we're disconnected from these things that feed us in true wisdom and it's hollowing out our maturity. And here are the devastating effects. Like, let's just be honest about the way this affects us. Look, God holds out for you an anchor, and yet you're adrift. You're wandering. God holds out for you comfort, and yet you're screaming inside for your lack of comfort. God holds out for you rest, and you're exhausted. God holds out for you maturity an anchor for your soul, and your double-mindedness is beating you up. Friends, it doesn't need to be that way. 
You don't need to listen to the wisdom of the world. You don't need to let it be your hope. You can find your wisdom in Christ and know life and joy in him. And so friends, can we repent of our love affair with the wisdom of this world? Can we run to Jesus and find our life and our joy and our hope and our wisdom in Jesus? Let's be connected to God and his word. Let's be abiding in Christ. Let's be depending on the Spirit, feasting on Christ in Scripture and in prayer. Oh, friends, let's be connected to one another, a gospel-formed community that we may build each other up in the wisdom of God. And friends, can we also do this? Can we stop defining maturity by how much we know and start defining it as Scripture does by how much we are like Jesus and love Jesus and love like Jesus? Can, can we stop pursuing just information and actually chasing after, chase transformation? Like the Spirit doesn't do data transfers and data downloads. He does resurrection and renewal. Amen. And so the things that God has freely given to us, that the Spirit reveals to us, let's pursue those things. Yes, let's pursue knowledge. Let's know his word. But let's pursue Christ in his word. Let's pursue renewal and transformation. Let's ask the Spirit, Spirit, show me Jesus. Fill my mind and my heart with Jesus. Transform me and make me like Jesus. And finally, whether you know a ton of theology or whether you're just learning, hey, guess what? You both have the same Spirit. It's the same Spirit that is at work in you. And friends, if you know a ton of theology, we need you. We need you. We need your knowledge. We need you to teach and we need you to disciple. But if you're learning, guess what? You still can speak truth to your brothers and sisters. The one who is educated and knows a lot and the one who is learning, they can speak to one another. They need one another. And all of this works and there's no comparison. Why? Because we're united in one spirit. We have one spirit who leads us into truth and reveals Christ to us. Friends, imagine the kind of community we can be when we are amazed by the Spirit of God, amazed by what He reveals to us, amazed at the power, His power in our life, rather than trying to compare and, and be caught up in how much knowledge we have or don't have. Let us depend upon the Spirit. And so, friends, Mature wisdom comes from God, and we need the Spirit to know and understand it. But praise God, he's given us the Spirit. And so let us pursue this mature wisdom. Let us grow in this wisdom. Let us be transformed in this wisdom, because this wisdom is Jesus Christ. Let's pray.